Hi guys, welcome back to Veteran State of Mind. Or welcome to Veteran State of Mind for the first time. Where the fuck have you been? Um, regardless, glad to have you with us. Got a got a special guy in the studio today. He's got a biggest beard we've had on the podcast so far. He's also the first para to come on the podcast. He's the first of many. His name is Mike Royal, but he is a para. So Royals out there listening, don't get confused. I know it's hard for you to keep up, but you'll be all right. Um, so... What did I want to say to kick off the podcast other than insulting a bunch of other uh, branches of the military? Um, I wanted to thank you guys. I wanted to thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Uh, I asked you if you could bring friends along to listen to the podcast, if you were enjoying the podcast, and you have been doing that, so thank you very much. Uh, if you if you enjoy it, just give it a share. Give it a share, tell a friend. Let's keep the podcast growing. Thanks very much. Um, thanks very much for uh, also everybody, everybody that's been supporting Brothers in Arms, my book. Uh, about Afghanistan and then the kind of transition or lack of um, when I came back in the Civil Street. It's uh, it's been doing well. We've got a steady number of sales on there and um, also, and more importantly, a steady number of people getting in touch to say that they enjoyed it and found um, that they, you know, that their own experience was reflected in the book. Um, you know, and that's what I wanted to achieve writing it because I knew I wasn't the only fucker that was going through these things. Um, so thank you so much for that. If you're one of the people, obviously I don't make them public because it's they're very personal messages. Um, so I'm just making them public on a macro thing to just say like, thanks very much, guys. I really fucking appreciate them. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's made it w- well worthwhile doing it. So thank you very much to everyone. So yeah, on to today's guest, Mike Royal, the para. <laughs> How are you, mate? Yeah, mate, I'm good. Right. Yeah. Well, we got put together by um, our friend, mutual friend. Actually, I don't know if he's... Your friend, he might just be someone. I don't you know. know. Is he your friend? <laughs> no, he's just a fucking ginger Welshman. Ma- just ginger, ginger Welshman. Who, um, unfortunately, as you know, Welshmen and gingers, we have this uh, common bond. I have a bit of ginger coming out of my beard, which I just can't deny any longer. As soon as the sun comes out, it goes ginger. So, I'm accepting that I am a part day walker in in that respect. But yeah, Hugh Keir put us in touch. Uh, Hugh Keir, friend of the podcast, also host of the great HR podcast, which you guys should check out. Uh, after you've listened to this one. Now, <laughs> um, yeah, here is a, um, you, you'll know him if you've read No Way Out, which I had the privilege of uh, working on with Major Adam Jarrett, then you will know Hugh as uh, one of the snipers in there. And you yourself were a sniper, right, mate? Free- yeah, I was, yeah, for my last proper posting. Free power snipers, was yeah. it? All right, so let's, because uh, I, I we don't know much about you other than you have a magnificent beard and you have a lot of uh, Ali climbing photos and stuff on your... Um, and I now live in Wales. House. And you now live in Wales. I do. I Does that do... mean I'm adopted Welshman? You are, mate, well, especially after coming on after coming on here. We'll have to change your surname to Jones and Williams or, or something. Or Davis. But Davis will do, yeah, we'll sort that out at the end of the podcast. Um, I do hear you've, had, you've got a curtain for a door, is that correct? It's It's a heat thing. A heat um, Come like on. my house is like five degrees in the winter, so rather than the heat escaping out the door, I've hung a curtain. In Do you have a door and a curtain? Yeah. Right, mate, I have that in my house. The way Hugh put it across, I thought you were living in a teepee. No, like, it's, well, I think Hugh's loose to living in a new build or whatever. <laughs> I don't, but it's, it's a stone cottage made out of slate. It, the walls are like two foot thick in places and it's freezing in the winter, so... No, we're exactly the same. We're in a bank conversion. Just which try is, and do what I can to keep it warm, yeah, basically. We're, we're in a bank, bank conversion, mate, with... Uh, uh, dry, like um, what you call it, sandstone, and in the winter it is absolutely gibbers in there. And does, so we got like a fire going, but we have like we have a curtain inside the room now as well. Yeah. Um, and it's it's mad. It's like it makes a hell of a difference if if that curtain's not drawn, it's nuts. But like yeah, people live in new builds. You don't understand the troubles of living in a Welsh stone house. Every year my pipes freeze without a doubt, and if it's snowing, I just melt the snow out 
from outside to make a brew on the fire. That's how I get around to it. Um, I was talking earlier about um, I'm on cold showers now and everyone thinks I'm mental, but if I get out of a cold shower in my house into a cold room, it's not as bad as getting out of a hot shower into a cold room. All right, got you. Uh, now, you're, you're, you're obviously more dedicated to personal hygiene than me because I just stop showering when it gets cold. <laughs> this is where we've, we've, we've both just been talking about single life. There's obviously a reason why. First bought the place four years ago. When I started living there, I didn't have a shower, which was great in the summer. So I was washing in the stream because I got a stream on my doorstep. So I was watching the stream. It got to January. I was like, I can't feel my feet anymore. It's going to be... So me and my brother sorted my shower out. All it was was I needed a pump. Right. Put a pump in. I had a hot shower, but then I had the problem of... You are full outdoorsy though, aren't you? Like you're a very outdoors, yeah, outdoors well, man. That's why I bought the place where I live now because I wanted right. to be kind of not isolated, but have my own space when I wanted it. Well, let's go on a bit of a tangent here, mate, because I keep saying it to people, right? I have a lot of... like. So obviously you've moved up here from... Where is it you're from originally? Kidderminster is my hometown. Right, so but, you come from Kidderminster, but you came up here. I, I say to people all the time who are from Wrexham area, um, they'll because they'll be like going on day trips to Snowdonia and stuff. I'm like, why? Why is so much around here? Mate, I love it. I shouldn't actually be broadcasting this because when I go for a walk around here, quite often I won't see anyone and I love that. Like, no offence. Everyone on their holidays are always going down the A5 to Snowdon. It's mad though. And that's it. And they go straight past everything, the Bruins, which I like because yeah. me and my mate went out for a walk from mine, literally out my door in South. 20 miles, eight hours, we were out for, and didn't see a single person. Yeah. I saw two, my last one, mate, I, was, I would say I was out for about five hours, saw two people, but they were together. They were together. Obviously, that ruined my walk for a little while, but then I was, I was back on track. But I, I don't get it, mate. It's just people, I think it's just the, the kind of the hood mentality. I think it's, it's getting more and more popular on Instagram, though. Yeah. I think because maybe people are looking for those Instagram pictures on top of the hills and so. Oh, I mean, I'm... I'm guilty of it. I'm, I like taking photographs. I'm into photography. But it's not why you went. But it's not why I do it. I do it because I like doing it. I just happen to be there and see like a great sunrise or whatever, or a snow-capped mountain or something. Yeah. And is that something that you've already, have you always been into that? Yeah, but where I was, because ba- I was based in Colchester for pretty much all my army career. Right. And it's, compared to here, it's flat. Right. Yeah. So, so I want to come back to, I want to come back to this because I think, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me on this, that, um, like how important the outdoors is, not just for squaddies, but for people in general. But I want to come like back. Like a mindfulness. To, yeah, but yeah. let's let's we'll come back onto that because I think that'll be a good thing to come to finish your story on. Let's get into um let's get into how you got into the military. Because like well usually on this podcast I know people pretty well. Um uh, but like, you know, it's uh I don't really know much about story, so I'm interested to know what made you end up in three para? Like what made you end up as a paratrooper? Ultimately uh Kosovo Sierra Leone. Right. I was my last school, my last year in school, and I saw that happening, and I was like, "Yeah, I fancy about that." And you saw what? So you saw red berries or maroon berries? Should I maroon, say? I knew the his, my, my old man was in one power. I knew a few blokes that were in like his peers, right. and my granddad was in as well. He oh, did right, okay. his national service in '56, and then so there was that part of history. But I didn't join the Reg because of them. I joined because I saw this, and I was like, "Yeah, that's what I want to do." Gotcha. So. Yeah, because I, like, I was saying this on another podcast the other day, like the fucking brand, as far as like, if you look at um, the paras from a branding point of view, like, because realistically, and I'm sure you agree with me on this, you look at the fighting that's been done in Iraq and Afghanistan, most of it is not done by the paras. Now, have they done their part in it? Yes, they have, but so have the rifles, so have the Royal Welsh, so yeah. have the Anglians. But if you ask the civvy, like, they, they think that when, when they think who goes off and fights war, they think the Royal Marines and they think the paras. Well, and in the SAS. I think with Afghan, like the, when it first kicked off big time, it was when we were out there. 2006. Yeah, it was 16 or so, yeah. 
And that's true. And the thing is, is like the Paras are on the spearhead of things. Not not denying that. But it's I've always wondered what would happen. Like say there's an, an say there's a new operation kicked off, and they'd be like, right, we're sending uh, two Mercian and two Royal Welsh, and people would be like. Oh, we're fucked. Where's the where's the virus? So the you know the um the branding that they've had is is fantastic. And I, I've said on here before, mate. If I had my time again now, I'd do, I'd join the Paros. If I if I could do things again, because I don't have a TV anymore. So like everyone keeps sending me links to the no, the, oh, I don't even know what Brocom's called. That Paris channel in Depot. Oh, um, yeah, I haven't watched it either. It's called Men of War or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Paris Men of War, I think it is. And yeah. I never watched an episode, but not having a TV kind of becomes an issue. Yeah. Um, but I've never seen a training video for any other regiment apart from the Marines no they're fantastic but the, the, the Marines so the, the Marines like uh, I've seen some of their adverts pop up occasionally and their latest adverts there's like it's like a rib like a little so it's like people don't know, it's like a little floaty boat basically and they're floating through this burning village and they've got their squared away lids on and they're looking out over the sights and it just looks fucking alley and I'm thinking I want to be on that boat with our bros um, whereas on the fucking army side, you're like, oh, you a snowflake, join the army. Like that would, that would actively put me off. Like I understand that they might be getting people through the door who might not otherwise come in. But if I'm someone that is motivated, I'm going to look at that advert and go, I don't want to fucking be in that. I don't want to be working with snowflakes. I want to be working with fucking warriors. And I'll see the Royal Marines advert and go, I'll go and have a crack at that instead. Um, and I think it's int- I think it's interesting. I think it's like I think the sorry. I think like with a lot of joining, is you got an idea you want to join the army, but you don't really know what you want to join. So when you walk through the door, that first guy you meet, they're obviously trying to get you in their unit. Yeah. So unless you're dedicated, you like all right, I'm going to join the Marines or the Reg or Royal Welsh or whatever. You're going to walk in and go, oh, join these. These are- someone tried telling me the Reg were getting disbanded when I walked through the door. Right. And he's like, yeah, you don't want to join them. You want to join the uh, what are they the Worcestershire. Yeah, 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 and I was like, "No, nah, I'm all right, thanks. I'm gonna go." I think that's that's huge, though. But but you, you know, you had the benefit of knowing family members yeah, well, who had been in the Paris. Otherwise, it might. The guy was at the careers office the day before I went. He come to my school and they did the thing, and I went, "Yeah, my old man was in one Paris." Like, yeah, he was my mate. So right. I walked down the next day, and he squared all my interviews and that away, and that was it. I was. I mean, the family thing is important. Like I've talked to a few people who have been. They've had family members serving, and their experience of joining is so much different because, you know, like one of them, he wanted to be a para, but then. You know, his dad, because his dad had been and his dad explained to him, he's like, well, you know, if you want to do para course and commando course, you can join the engineers and you can still do. Like he had that explained to him. When I went in, it was just like, roll Welsh. And that's just it. It's like, like, and then I knew about the paras and there are paras from Wrexham. You know, I'm not saying that there's not, but I think for most young lads from Wrexham, if you go and join, you're probably going to end up in the Royal Welsh. Like I said, it depends on who's in your office at the time. Yeah. I don't even know if there was, I don't even think there was anyone from the paras or anyone up here, to be honest. And um, yeah, I mean, if you've you've got your heart set, I always wonder how do people get talked into joining the RAF regiment? Well, you're in, weren't you? Yeah, according to somebody on Facebook. So anybody that doesn't know, the other week I got a uh, I got a message from somebody on my Facebook saying that I was lying about being in Iraq and Afghan and that I'd never been a, and that like it was just came out with this stuff and I thought you know what this person because they're calling me a what basically thinking I was saying that my my jig was up and that I'd stolen my last bit of valor. And I thought, you know what? To be fair to this person, they think that they're doing the right thing here. They think that they're protecting the armed forces or whatever, you know. So I was like, look, mate, like, here's the truth. You know, this is the this is the score. You know, um, there's people on my page who are talking about being on tour with me and stuff. I'm like, I understand you came from good reason. If you want to apologize, just you know, let's we're cool. Don't worry about it. 
I'm not fucking apologising to you. And he just went off on one. And then he was like, what regiment are you in? The RAF regiment. And at that point, I thought, I think this person is just trolling me now because that, to me, is the most grievous insult you could ever fucking give. But it makes me think, like, I, I just... I've had a few lads message me, actually, on Instagram and stuff saying that they were going to join the RAF regiment. But then after... Because they'd been told when they'd gone into recruiting office that it is this fucking elite unit which is part of the big three, whatever that is. And then... Um, the five mile of death. The five mile of death. And they'd been sold on this. And then it's like, oh, I looked into it a bit more. Does everyone else really think they're a joke? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, and they're like, oh, well, he's like, and basically, because this lad was like, um, he wanted to go Paris, but he'd been told, like, this is the last lad I talked to. He wanted to go Paris, but they talked him out of it and talked him into joining Raf Reg. And then he's like, no, nah, fuck that. I'm going to, he's like, I'm going to go cancel that application and go fucking to the reg as in para reg and i just think it's very interesting because i've always wondered like how do you get talked into that? if you want to be in the infantry the infantry is there if you want if you want to if you want to be a mechanic in the raf I totally understand that but to be make pretend infantry i just don't get it i don't know maybe in the careers in the because it's not the same careers office it's an r it's a RAF well quite quite often they quite often they have so them in the same just tell place. you that you'd be an infantryman and a fast jet pilot or something at the same time probably mate and here's the thing we have to remember right how old are you now you're 34 34 i'm 35 right we're not 16 year old lads anymore like if i'd have gone in there at 16 and they'd have said mate join up as a chef but you'll have we'll put brackets fast jet pilot and you do chef for a year and then you'd be a fast jet pilot i probably would have gone oh, okay that sounds good do you know what i mean like a 16 year old lad do that if you join the marines anyway yeah, I, I feel that's another thing about Marines, right? Because I think like the, I, I I love I love Marines. I got a lot of friends with Marines. I think it's a fucking outstanding fucking um, outstanding unit, you know, as a as a as a core. But this idea that you can get posted into something that you don't want to do, that's that would put me off straight away. Mate, my mum was telling me when he passed his training, they went, "Oh, you're going to be a driver." He's like, "I don't want to be a fucking driver. I want to be infantry." So. He turned up to, I think it's Leckenfield, and he basically just went out and got shit-faced and turned up in the morning, failed his breathalyzer test, and they sent him back. Ali bloke. And he was like, he got back, his sergeant major was like, good effort, but you got to do it. But when he passed his driving license and all that, they put him in recce troop. Right. So he's a, he's a driver for recce troop for his yeah. career. I just, I, it worked it, out. It, it, it's, it, yeah, it's it worked out, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that hasn't worked out for. Yeah. And, and the thing is, they go through a fucking hard course. So the idea of having to go through all that course... And then at the end of it, like be like, right, good job, chef. Like that's a, that's a nightmare, mate. That's stuff of nightmares. That is. I've been sent on a tour with. I've been sent on a tour doing a job I didn't want to do, and that fucking that sucked balls. So that was only six months. Like the idea that you're going to you know, be posted. I had, I had the same um, for the first tour of Afghan. For part of it, I was in the stores. Right. Last place I wanted to be. Right. So I was supposed to be there covering a guy when he went on juniors. Um, but he come off juniors or pre-juniors. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Like the selection period where you just do a tab and that. Yeah. He come off that on the first day and he got RTU'd, but he ended up going back to patrols and I stayed in the stores, which... This is what I've always said about, you know, when they, when they medically discharge people for like hearing and PTSD and stuff like that, fill the billets in the stores with those blokes. Yeah, but it, if I if I did that, when I got discharged, it'd kill me. Right. I hate, I didn't join. Yeah, but you didn't, no, you wouldn't have to stay in though. I'm not saying they force you to stay, but well, like there, you... there are lads that I think would, like you You seem to be like, you seem to be really enjoying the civvy life and getting amongst oh, it. Yeah. There are lads who don't want to leave the battalion. I, I don't know. I think there's guys, they, they're like, oh yeah, the grass is greener on it. And then when they get out, they're like, oh fuck, I'd just rather be back yeah. in there doing that. It's, it's a bit security as well. 
Like you've always got a roof you, over your head. Do you know a lot of guys that have gone back in after getting out? I know a few guys they've got out and they've done their bit and then they're just like, I'm going to get back in. Just like yeah. some of them more recently, they've been on the circuit yeah. and I think maybe they've earned the money they wanted to, got themselves set up and then they've just gone back in for that security. Yeah, I've, of, I've noticed a few people going back in, back in now. It seems to, seems to be like a... I think a lot of it, they're just, it's more the blokes that they miss rather than the job, but you don't really remember the bad bits until they start. That's it, that's it, mate. And to be honest, mate, that's one of the things I always tell people about. Uh, it's a great thing about doing a podcast and writing a book and everything like that. Is there's no escaping the bad. There's there's no escaping the bad bits, and you have to like sometimes, mate. I'll I'll fucking have it. Like I noticed they knocked the re- rejoining age up to thirty six, and I had a, I I had that moment of what like, did it used to be thirty four. Um, so I I had I had that moment of like oh maybe I'd like to rejoin. And then I had to get up. I think it was like I got up early to go down to London or something. I got up about half four so I could go to the gym first. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. And I, I didn't stay in bed. I went to the gym. But I thought, I have the option now of going back into bed if I want. Yeah. Um, and it's, and then I thought, like, and I just thought, because it, it, it was just a little thing. And it was the same as we were talking about living in our stone houses in Wales. You know, it's, 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 it's very hard to remember being cold, wet, and miserable. You know, like, there's a big difference between when I, I love going walking and stuff now. I love it. You get out on the mountain and you've got the wind in your face and the rain in your face. That's awesome. But the difference is someone's not going, now get in that ditch and stay in that ditch for two hours. And then you're going to, you know what I mean? We're, we're just talking about this. I got talking to a guy yesterday um, who climbs down in Langothan like every Thursday. And he got, I think he said he got to week 29 in the Marines course or something, or 28. And uh, he decided it just wasn't for him. He, he he liked it, but he just didn't want to have someone telling him what to do, when and where. That's a big part of it, isn't it? But he says he, he realised he liked his freedom. And then when he got out, he didn't really have as much freedom as he thought he might have. You know, obviously, because you've got to go to work and earn some yeah. earn some wedge just to do the things you want to do. Yeah. Um, which for me, since I got out, it's all about time management, really. Mm. So what, like, what's important to you? Would you rather have more money with less time to do the things you want to do? Or, like, or the way I've done it is I have less money. I have enough money to get me by. And I have like... 20 odd days off in a month to do whatever it is I want to do or yeah I mean that's awesome I was just talking about this on the last podcast because I was saying with I had a re- reunion with the boys the Afghan boys and that you know like that now that we're making that a priority and it's like you know what it's going to be a chunk of money for every one of us every year to do that but what the fuck what the fuck else are you working for if you're not if you're not making that time I think that's a really good point mate and I, I definitely fell in the trap before of the making the money trap um, because it's what you're told all your life isn't it and it and and but then you you got to just start thinking about it as like and this is the one of the things I noticed with the army when they're when they tr- I see the adverts they put up to try and get people to rejoin like you were saying bl- blokes rejoin because they miss the blokes but you don't see that in their adverts you see their adverts like oh if you rejoin now we'll give you ten thousand pound bonus look I'm not being funny ten thousand pound don't get you in fucking nowhere right but what does get you somewhere is having a brotherhood you know so I'm like why aren't they fucking that's what they should be fucking selling to blokes not ten thousand pound I. <clears throat> I don't know, you get some guys that got no sort of money management skills. Yeah. So when they get out, they got nothing like they're they're skint on well, they're paying back all their debts on payday. Yeah. And then day two, they're skint. So they're borrowing money again and it's a vicious cycle. So when they get out, if if they're the same way when they get out, they're up shit creek and ten grand bonus is quite appealing. It, it is, but like the problem is is if you shit with money, ten grand bonus won't help you because you'll it's it's you have to fix the habits rather than just Yeah, but but in that instance, you're like fucking hell. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that, mate. But what I'm saying is that, like, I'm not saying that you don't, you know, you, there's none of that should be made a thing of. But I do think, like, 
the um, it's it's the, the brotherhood to me is the biggest sell the biggest selling point of you know the biggest selling point of things is um, is, is that like if I was to rejoin the army and I do think about it but then like you know like we've been saying there's a lot of reasons why I wouldn't but the the money's never the thing the money's never the thing about it um, but no like the the money's an interesting one as well though because you're right mate there's a lot of people who are serving who don't manage their money while they're in so when they get out they're usually fucked unless you go on something like the circuit where you earn enough money that you can pay your way out of your mistakes, basically. In a way, yeah. But then you end up having more money to spend on a new car or whatever. It's like, you've got to, like I said, realise the problems and fix those first. Yeah, exactly. You have, you have to get the issue. You have to get the issues I, fixed. I realise, unfortunately, I've got out, I've got a pension from my injury and that. And with the money that I had saved up, I had enough money to buy my house out cash. Right. So... Yeah, it's not great. It's five degrees in the winter, but it's mine. It doesn't cost me anything. My living costs are like 160 a month. Wow, that's fucking awesome. So it's like council tax, electric, phone bill, gym, membership, and I think there's something else in there as well. And that's the great thing about living rurally is that you do cheap. Live, life is cheaper when you live rurally because, I mean, you're not getting by on 160 quid a month in fucking London, are you? No, but in the army, you used to. You used to have three meals a day yeah. and your accommodate until they went to Pays-Dine. But I'm pretty sure on the old barracks in Colchester, we used to get, or maybe even on the new, on Merville, yeah. it's like 160 a month. Well, let's be honest about this. We, I mean, okay, there are exceptional circumstances for, for everything. But as a general rule, there's no reason to leave the military with debt. No. Like, because like you said, you've got, you know, like, you're, especially if you're a young single lad, it is the best opportunity you're going to have in your life probably to save up money. Well, I brought a house when I was 21. Remember? Really? And... um Everyone, my peer group, they're like, what are you doing buying a house? You're 21. You should just be going yeah, out every time and enjoying it. And I was like, well, I've been saving 300 a month anyway since I got in. So it's nothing to me. It's just savings. And then I'm paying 300 a month into a mortgage instead of into a savings account. But I'm still going out every night. Like, I'll still six nights a week sometimes. There's a good outlook on, on it, mate. I do. I, they, they do have a scheme now to help people buy, though. Yeah, I don't know the details about it, but that's awesome. That's awesome that they're helping people. Um, do that, but I want to get back into your service, mate. So you joined what? What? What year did you join up? Two thousand September two thousand. Started training in Harrogate. Right. I was there for a year, and then went to Catrick for phase two, and I passed out. It's like end of October or November, beginning of November. All right. So I, in two thousand and two, and then went to Bryce and did my jumps course. I want to. Ju- I want to jump on that then because I think it's important, especially for the young listeners, like young listeners, because I know we got like a lot of people in that kind of like thirteen to eighteen year old bracket. Listen to this. You guys need to understand how different the army was in 2000 to what it was now, right? Afghanistan hadn't happened. Um, Iraq hadn't happened. It was very much still the Cold War army. And yeah, there was operations going on, as you mentioned, like Sierra Leone and stuff, you know, that kind of thing. But it wasn't what we know now. It wasn't, there wasn't Instagram accounts like mine full of fucking Afghan pictures and stuff. It was a different, it was a different time. Where were you? Can you remember where you were when 9-11 happened? Yeah, I was in the Nafi and Catrick, playing pool. So, like, how did you feel at that kind of moment? I was like, fuck, we're going to Afghan. And then when we passed out, when we did our pass out, one of the platoon commanders from the other platoon, can't, was it? can't remember what platoon it was, basically, pass out happened and he just got thrown on a helicopter and flown out and he went out with two para to Afghan. So talk us through then what is going through the mind of a young para at that point. Well, I suppose it's... Well, I was still 17 then, so I knew I weren't going anywhere. Right. But... It's the fact that you're doing all this training for that unit and you're like, the possibility of you actually getting deployed now is real. Mm. It's just like, well, this is what we train for. It's- and presumably, like you mentioned, that's what you joined for. You wanted to go yeah, on ops. Yeah. 
So like you, you definitely wanted to go on ops. Yeah, that's that's why I joined the regiment. And I joined. Yeah. So I mean, that's why I, I joined the army. Like I said, and that's why if I had my time again, I'd join the reg. But um, I, I, you know, like I, because. Like some people need to understand that like not everyone joins the army to go on operations. Some people join for a job. Some people join to get away from things. Um, you and I are the same in that, in that we both join to go on operations. That's you know that's all I wanted to be there for. So when when was the first time you um when was the first time you got out anywhere? Iraq. Oh no, wrong. Uh, Northern Ireland. Nice. I was seventeen and a half, so I shouldn't have been there. So I was just in Omar, just doing stores jobs. I was there for a couple of months and then I got sent on an exchange to Canada and then I ended up on the free parachuting team purely because I was still 17. Right. And then... Well, they needed blokes for... They need, basically, I got dicked. Right. Um, and because I wasn't doing anything out in islands because I couldn't go on patrol, mm. I was just like, yeah, you can go. So was that like static line jumps and stuff, was it? What's that? Was the the, the jump team? No, no, it's a shooting team. Oh, shooting teams. Yeah. So doing that, but... There was a number of people training for it, and because there was me and another guy, we were, we were the only ones in B Company that weren't 18, couldn't go on patrol. We just got sent back for that. So I ended up doing that, and then after that, I got sent to the Falklands for five and a half months, I think it was. Right. Got back from there, and then we trained for Iraq, and that was my first proper deployment going out on patrol. So you, you did, um, so what was that? 2003, so, yeah. So you did Invasion, did you? Yeah. All right, so talk us through some memorable moments of that then. Training in Brecon for Operation in the Desert. Yeah. It was um, January. <laughs> So we tab from the re- to, oh, farm farm ten, I think it was, to some range, and it was like um, our sergeant major at the time. He was mad on fitness, so instead of getting the four tonner into the ranges, we'd tab in and tab out, and uh, the four tonner couldn't get out one day because of the ice. So he tabbed in, and a couple of blokes spanked in on the ice, like a couple of injuries, sprained ankles or whatever, and um, one of the guys fell over. He had a jimpy on his shoulder, and he fell over, smashed his cheekbone in. That was him off. Um, you'd be fucking gutted yeah you? but it's just fucking this is bizarre we're training in the snow to go to the desert yeah we did the same mate we did uh, I was in we were in Otterburn in, we were in Otterburn in November to go to Iraq yeah and you're like <laughs> all the kit was coming I remember all the kit was coming in as well and there was like just bin bags getting emptied into the corridor I was like if anything fits you take it yeah. and that, that, that was our desert kit for the yeah. first time we went out there yeah. I mean the thing is as well mate about like people need to understand about the breakfast it's not just the weather it's the terrain like you're not like when you're out in the desert, like you're going to be working in um, either it's going to be flat or it's going to be built up areas. It's not going to be rolling hills. Like it's, and that I think that is, that's more important. Well, there's that, but then there's range days there. Like if you can operate in that. So what we did, because all the jimpy gunners from B Company. So you were a jimpy gunner, yeah? Yeah, for, for that tour. And um, all, they all just got put together and they went, right, there's a load of ammunition. There were three round belts. And we just basically had to, it was a race to see who could get through their pile of ammunition the quickest. Right. So every gunner was there, and it was just basically five, three rounds, reload, five, three rounds, reload, and it was just doing that, and it was got rapid. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's, that's, but, that's, but it's that's just good, good rain days, range days. Yeah, I mean, those are important. I think you guys had a different, like, what you were going on to on that tour then was different to what I went on. It's like, you guys were going on to an invasion, yeah. and whereas we went on, we, we were operating exclusively in the city. You know, we were, so we were going, and we were doing strike operations, that kind of thing. So it's like different, I think there's, you know, there's different phases of Iraq. I mean, how did you feel, how did you feel when you uh, when you went out there? I was buzzing. Like I said, it's what I joined for. It's like I, I imagine that's the regiment. As well. Yeah, yeah. Me and my peers, it's just what we we yeah. wanted to do. As it happens, didn't fire around in anger, but still, yeah. Cross the border from Basra and oh no, Q8. Sorry, I was. Did you did was that? Because um, I'm just thinking, like you said that first thing I thought was Jarhead, the movie. You seen that? Yeah. Like so, he doesn't fire around, but he's involved in the invasion like ten years earlier. Yeah. 
How did you feel? Were you, frust- were you frustrated? Like, were you frustrated? On no, that? we still had a good time. We had some, we had a blast doing some stuff, and just going out, stagging on gossip and stuff. Or someone had left a motorbike behind, so we're just riding around on that. Or like, we we com- we found a load of AKs, so we basically just firing off the ammunition at walls and then handing them in to get melted. Not Jeremy Corbyn. No, no, not they. Well, didn't didn't even know who he was until a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, it was just it, it was a good tour. It was was it five months or something like that? And it was an experience, something I took away from it. But again, like we got we got um, shelled in Ramallah Royal Fields by, I think there was one artillery gun and there was one guy who was, um, I won't mention his name, but he apparently started digging in with a bayonet. He's like, I ain't fucking dying for anyone. But he was he was like kind of attached to the battalion or to the company. From the lizard, from the lizard battalion. But, um, but that was, when I heard about that, that was quite funny. That's, and, uh, that's pretty good. I, but I was just sat there chilling out by a rock. I was like, there's nowhere to go. So I just... Lay down, having a fag, and it lands on you. Lands on you. Yeah. Um, so what? And where, where was the? Where was next after that? Then back to Northern Ireland for the marches in Moscow camp for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Did that. Uh, I was um, just in the shield line, basically. Again, nothing happened. Some something happened to somebody of a bloke's on. You have the look there. now that you should be in a shield war with. I just describe this to people: long hair tied back and a big beard. Like that's a. Yeah. How much would that that would put people off rioting if we had everybody with big beards and yeah, hair? Big mate? beards and hair. Yeah, I definitely put put them off. Put them off then. Yeah, it's like three years growth now. Was that three years ago? No, you give me hope, mate. I'm trying. I was trying to grow mine. At the cut, I cut it off four three years ago. It's four four years down to my elbow. I'm about six months now. <laughs> I guess uh, when they when I had my med board, they went right. You're no longer insured to work for the army. I go handy in your uniform. I was like, right. If, I, if I'm not insured to work for the army, I'm not shaving anymore. I might cut myself. So uh, I stopped shaving, stopped cutting my hair, and I was walking around Merville Barracks for um, about five months with a full head of hair, yeah, civvies, barber jacket on, jeans on. <laughs> I looked gaunt as as well because I was recovering from my injury and I yeah. spent so long inside I had a vitamin D deficiency, so I was like pale white, bit beard, long hair. But um, yeah, I, f- I think I ruined it for a few guys because they tried doing the same when they went on a tree surgery <laughs> course and they come back and went, right, you've got to get a shape. Yeah. All right, let's go to the injury. So you did, um, did, did you did you do, um, did you do 2006, Herrick? Yeah, so did that. Okay, so let's, so let, let's, let's talk about that a bit then because, I mean, you've presumably you went from, um, you know, like, so you had your early experience in 2003 and then... Yeah, I did 2003 Iraq. Yeah. Ireland again, 2004. Then Iraq in 2005, we were attached to the... PWRR, I think. We're just like a bolster company. So C Company did three months, then A Company went out and did a rotation just so everyone got a piece of the pie, really. And um, got shot at by the Iranians across the Iranian border. That was interesting. Nearly um, started something. Um, Yeah, and then after that tour, it was Afghan in 2006. How was that? I liked it. But then again, like I said, for for part of it, I was in the stores, but every opportunity I got, I was going out with patrols. Yeah. so you got you got got around to different locations. Yeah, because again, like, there was um, they made up a sort of a resupply force. So we called them Crocs Heroes because there's a guy there and called him Croc. Um, but it was the Clarks, the Stormen, everyone got on the, the Pinsgowers and that, and went out to do this resup mission into Sangin. But I was the only one that had been out on the ground, I think, or maybe one of her. And I just I just wanted to get out and do stuff, but. Just to up the ante a bit, because I was inside for so long and Osprey was new out as well. When we first went on the patrol to Nalzad, um, which was the first big deliberate op, 
the boss turned around and he went, right, it's your option. You can either wear Osprey or um, CBA. I was like, well, CBA is shit anyway, because if I get shot without all them fibres are going to pull through me. So, And I don't like Osprey because it's too big, so I just didn't wear anything. Huh. And a uh, few people had a problem with it, said I was fucking selfish. But for me as well, it was about, I've been in the stores for so long, like, and few blokes were saying something about me sitting in the stalls and they were going out on patrol. And I was like, fuck it. So I went out and just up the ante a bit and go out without any armor. Yeah, I see that. Um, but yeah, I did. I, I got about with a few different things. Like we did a race up to where he was in Musicala. Uh, yeah. So I think it was with the Danes or the Canadians. Can't remember which. We did a race up through into there and I went out with C Company on that. Did some patrols with um, patrols and did some stuff with the stalls as well. Uh I was kind of just in and out doing loads of different yeah. things, really. Yeah. Like I said, as any any opportunity I got to go out on the ground, I would. But I still had stuff to do back in Bastion, which was... It's for, it's mad, isn't it? Because I know some people listening will know exactly what you mean. And then other people will be like, why would you want to go out there if you didn't have to? But I mean, if you, you know, it's uh, if you got that, you, you just, it's, a, it's hard to explain that thing. You just don't want to be, you, you want to be amongst it. Well, the thing is, after, after this hit me hard, until I realised that the blokes that were saying it were just bellends, but um, because I was in the stores, a load of blokes were pegging me, like calling me a coward and that. Yeah. Because like a couple of people had died and I got one night, one of my, the blokes who was a mate of mine at the time got pissed and he said I was the reason that this guy had died. And for my mate to say that to me, it hit me hard and it affected me in a big way. But then after a while, I sat down and thought about it and talked to a few people and I'm like, Fuck them. I was like, yeah, fuck them. It's, it's, that's hard though, isn't it, to get your head, because you know, it's like, we always have this, well, not always, but you know, there's sometimes a voice in our heads that's like, am I a coward? You know, am I, And but it's like, you you know, deep down if you want to get on the ground or not. But, and it's, I think when people say stuff like that, honestly, like now that I look back on it, I think they're usually saying it because they're feeling some kind of stuff like that. So they're trying to deflect it onto other people rather than look at what's going on in their own yeah, I I can sort of see where they were coming from because if I was out on the ground and there was a bloke that I thought should be out with us, but was it looked like I'd opted to stay in the stores, right. like I chose to be there. But so that's part of the reason why I wasn't wearing body armor or anything, just to kind of up the ante a bit. And it was a, yeah. a I love getting shot at. It's like a massive adrenaline rush yes. kind of thing. And um, there was a bit after this op in Nowzad where a load of blokes went off to clear the compound where we were all firing, but there was one to our, another the opposite direction, which hadn't been cleared. And there was only me and one other guy to go and do it. So I was like, fuck it. So we went over with him, but I just said to him not to come in the compound with me because if any shit went down inside, there was no point two of us dying. One of us might as well get back to the wagons and where the wagons were, they still had eyes on him and they got GPMGs and 50 cals there so they could support him to get back. So I just went in the compound on my own and walked around and checked everything, which... Every, some guys, like, they had a problem. No one said anything to me, though. No one said a thing, fucking word to me. But once I did it, I was like, well, there's no one in there. It's not a threat. It's cleared. But if I'd have died, then at least he could have got back to the wagons and that was that. But no one knows about that. But I'm still a coward in some bloke's eyes because I was in the stores. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's just perspective. And like, like I said, I just I learned to rise above it. And it bothered me then because when my peer group were thinking that I was a coward and I was deliberately staying in the stores because I didn't want to go out on the ground. It bothered me. Yeah, I'm sure. Now I don't give a fuck. Well, also, we'll come on to what you've been through since then as well. I'm sure that puts things into perspective as well. Oh, the, yeah, I, I, I actually quite like that incident. Yeah. All right, so let's let's talk about that. Man. So you went back in 2008, was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I went in 2008, but I was in there for two weeks. I had a right. detached ACL ligament when I deployed from snowboarding. 
didn't know, and my knee twisted and fucking piled in. Basically, yeah. it's like oh, so oh shit. Of course, you were in later tour. Yeah, so I got Kazi yeah. and then again for that because I was in the stores in 2006, and then yeah. that I was like war dodging or whatever. Um, and then went back in 2010, 11. That's when I got injured. Right. So what what happened there? When where were you? Where were you? What happened? Yeah. NES South, Nazi Nazi Sarish South, like South Alaska Gar. Um, checkpoint checker in two powers AO in two February 2011 going out on a snap ambush the other side of the river and as I was walk- as we crossed the river walking through a tree line there's no footpath or anything just walking through I stood on an IED which uh, since it all happened I got told it was a six kilo IED right. it's all passive information I, haven't, I would quite like to see the report from the engineers but yeah. mate you go on WikiLeaks you find them on there there's yeah. fucking all kinds of shit on WikiLeaks, man. Seriously, you can find the ID reports on there. Right. So I went on, so we did that. We were going on Snap Ambush. Uh, I was point man in the patrol on the west side of the river, and we basically had one call sign on the, the both sides. And, yeah, hit this IED because I was up on the high ground. It was only me there that would, was affected by it. Gotcha. Filled the tree line with dust. Well, the, the weird thing is, is I heard the click, and when I looked down... The ground just rushed up at me and my mate, it just filled the air with dust. But my mouth was full of dirt and that was my main concern when I landed on the floor yeah. until I realised my leg was in rag. and um, But I couldn't see from my waist down. I couldn't see anything, so I thought I'd lost my leg. Oh. And once the dust started to clear, the next guy come up to me and it was his first command patrol and he got a IED strike on it. Mm-hmm. Um so he came up to me and he said my foot was all right. And I looked to my right and there was a hole maybe six, eight inches deep. And looking at some of the plastic, I knew it was from like a 25-gallon drum. Yeah. So I thought yeah, if was that, it those yellow drums? Yeah. It? So I thought if that had gone off, yeah. it would have took my legs off no dramas or if not killed me. So I thought I thought it was still waiting to cook off and it had just the debt had gone off. Right. So like, obviously SOPs, you don't move because yeah. of a secondary. But I was the only bloke down. I was on the high ground. I took it upon myself. I was like, I'm not going to lie here and wait for it to go off. Yeah. So I tried walking away. Because, well, that was my initial thought. Realised my foot was fucked, so I was on my hands and knees crawling away and I was covered in mud. And, uh, yeah, I just started laughing a couple of minutes later. Got piggybacked out and that was it. And then we went through the whole Kazivac chain. So I, I got just, so you were saying, like, so you're going through a tree line yeah. where there's not, you weren't on a path. No. So they must have, like, they they must have been playing a numbers game and just well, putting, putting them out. The, in the, day, the day before we got some, like, sporadic fire, but it wasn't over the... Co- so where our compound was, there was a river that sort of ran nearby it. And on the other side of the river, there was a tree line that followed the, the river around. And the fire came from that side, but it wasn't directed at the compound. Right. We think they were just taking a pot shot. So, so the so next day we thought, we'll go out and see if they come and try to intercept them mm-hmm. before they come and have another go at the compound. And as we were going out there then, like I said, we... So looking back on it, do you reckon they did it as a come on to lure yeah, you into it? Yeah. Yeah. They're fucking clever fuckers, me. But... Um, how they how they did it, I don't know. But someone told me that uh, after that incident, a helicopter come in, um, an Apache come in. They tracked it back, and apparently they got the guy. But I don't. Again, I don't know any yeah. truth in it. All, but that was just like rumors, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just I just think the people that you know sometimes I'll see on social media, people will be very disparaging of the Taliban, the enemy, and there's reasons, some reasons to be disparaging about them. But as far as tactics go. You know they 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 fucking know how to they know how to lure you into yeah, but it's things. Yeah, guerrilla warfare, isn't it? Exactly, and they're fucking good at what they do, mate. Like, you know, so like let's so um how how badly were you injured then? What was your recovery so injuries? So shattered my heel bone, 
into because it was a shockwave rather than an impact. My heel bone just popped into seven pieces, and I think because my knee was dam- uh, my knee was like half bent, it damaged my knee as well. I think if my leg might have been straight, it might have damaged my hip. Like because if it was going up my leg, it could have shattered my heel- hip bone or something like that. Um, so because I was on crutches for six months, waiting for the 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 fragments to knit together again and the swelling to go down in my foot. When I started walking after six months, I had some knee pain, which was unusual to me. And the physio said it was fine. But then six months after that, I saw I stood on the ID on the 19th of Feb. And then 20th, a year later, my knee, I slipped on some water. My knee just twisted out. And that was my ACL gone. So I've done both ACLs now and medial meniscus. So I was lucky I got away, no puncture wounds. Uh, it was literally just dust when it went. And I think the reason why I got away with it is because it was a winter tour. It had been raining so much that once the sun came out and it baked the top layer, it was like, you know what the walls are like. They're yeah. like concrete. Yes. So the top bit had been blown up, but the, most of the blast went down and out instead of up. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's why I was fortunate and got away with what I did get away with. Yeah, that sounds like it could be the case, man. I mean, that's... Like you said, it's just such such fucking small margins in these things. It could literally be the difference between a bit of sunlight means having your legs. Yeah, well, home. that's what I thought. It was um, just the debt had gone off initially mm. because I was like, there's no way I'm still going to be here if I've just been turned to dust. Yeah, I, remember, I, I remember seeing one once where um, I was just watching one of our wagons with a team of guys out in front of it doing Obama and an IED went off in front of them. And I saw the, I thought all four of these guys are fucked. Yeah. But they, it was on a slight slope and they blew it command wire just a couple of meters too early, and that slight angle of the slope meant that it went, went over, over the, the top of them. I mean, mate, could have been four guys gone. Yeah, but the, that, those differences, mate, like that little bit of sunlight on we your had a, We had one. Um, we went north of where we were, and a local guy come and showed us this IED. But because the husky had gone over this track already, we, they wouldn't bring it back down. And there's ploughed fields either side. And I was like, you've got to get that husky back because they've only got one way in and out. And they went, you can't bring it over here. There's, there's a IED there. I went, yeah, I know, but they've already been over it a number of times. The cars have been going up and down it all day like for weeks. Anyway, they blew it and I stood in the crater and it was taller than me. So then this husky had to try and get around the hole in the road. It got stuck in the ploughed field. Oh, shit. Before this, when the blast went off, they got contacted because they were like the cover at the north side of where we were. And um, got contacted by an RPG, and RPG hit the window. And that was it. They got in a firefight up the top. And that was um, the support company group, so like machine guns and tanks in the Huskies. But then the the Mastiffs that were doing uh, Brimstone, they had to then come up and tow out. So Brimstone call us, Angela. Yeah. They had to come out and tow the Husky out of the ploughed field, but the first one was coming up and it got stuck in the irrigation ditch, so the second one had to come up and tow that one out. And it was a f- They weren't good for going cross-country, those things. I don't know. I never, never worked for them. I've never, really, yeah. never been in one. All, all I know is that they used to get dug in a lot and we'd have to drag them out. Um, yeah, it's fucking right. So how how'd your rehabilitation go then? So I did my rehab and I, was, I opted to um, stay at home. Well, I had a girlfriend in Chelmsford at the time. I opted to go to Colchester and do my rehab stuff there with a physio rather than going to Headley Court. Right. So I was just trying to steer steer away from that mm. the military side of things, like shaving every morning. I hate shaving. Yeah. So, I mean, look, we'll both look to the camera um, right now. I, <laughs> I spent six months um, doing my like on sick leave, and because I was living in Chelmsford, I was just like grew a beard and I was just going for my physio, do like my hour session, and then come back. Yeah. And um, 
I mean, it was good. I had no no problems with my rehab. I got given all my exercises. We got to a point where I couldn't progress past walking. When I tried to run, I had so much pain in my foot and my and my knee that it would just make it worse. So it soon become apparent that like with what happened to me, I, I can't do the job that I need. But as far as support goes, and because of my state of mind on sound, it's like I didn't need any other support in that regard. It was offered to me, but I didn't take it because I didn't feel I needed it. I had a bit of a thing where like, I got invited to the Highgrove estate, Prince Charles estate. So everyone that gets injured, they kind of get invited there. And I turned it down because I thought, felt that I didn't warrant being there because I still had all my limbs and a bloke turned up with like missing legs or arms and shit. I was like, fuck, I ain't going. So a couple of weeks later, a bottle of whiskey turned up and it was from his estate with a letter. Um, yeah, and I got that. But I like for, for a number of reasons of that, I was just was turning down stuff. But the support was offered to me for mental mental health and so on. And I was doing what I needed to do for my physical rehab. But just got to a point where my injuries wouldn't let me get past that point. Because initially they said I'd recover in two years. And I was supposed to go, I wanted to go on selection that winter. So I was like, right, two years time, I'll be able to go back on selection. And then got a year down the line after my injury. And I was like, I, was like, I ain't getting any better. So then I think it would have been... I don't know, May, June. They were like, it's probably looking like you're going to get a medical discharge. And I had my med ward in October and then that was that was the decision Was made. this while they were making the redundancies too? No, I actually got out just before the redundancies. So I had my med board before the redundancies and then I was discharged on 26th of June, 2013. And then the redundancies come like a couple of months after that. Peter, are we good to add another half hour on, mate? Is that right? Is that good? Sweet. Legend. Peter's a fantastic uh, producer. Um, right, sweet, because I want to keep... Was that because you were late? Yeah, it was because we were late, mate. Don't worry, I had to do press-ups for Brian Wood the other week because I went to a fucking... <laughs> I went to the studio on the wrong... I went to uh, a place in London called uh, Compton Street. I didn't realise I missed out on an old other thing. Yeah. So, like, today... Like, lucky thing about today, so just so the listeners know today. Um, I thought I was all clever. Mate, I thought I was being a grown-up tonight. I went to an accountant's this morning... Like like a real grown up, I went to an accountant's this morning, and then um, just around my dad's and having a brew, watching the D Day stuff, and then I <laughs> looked at my emails. I was like, oh, fuck, I've, I've written I've written fourteen hundred down instead of thirteen hundred, and uh, yeah, so I'm up it. Um, oh, what's it get? Uh, oh, all right, so the your injuries and stuff, right? Did the so you wanted to you wanted to stay? Did you, did yeah, you I want to stay, stay in? in? Yeah, right. And then they're looking like down the job of so I got I couldn't do. I was in three pair of snipers then, so I couldn't do that anymore. So I got put in the stores and then... Sniper stores or... Um, no, just company D company stores. Um, because I kept on the books of Sniper Platoon, but obviously with me there, they couldn't put another person in. Gotcha. So I got moved from there into the stores. And then when I sort of finished my sick leave, I went back to work because I was in on a walking stick. I could do that and I can issue out whatever. Um, but it was just sort of, I was in limbo finding out what was happening. Uh, managed to get my driving license while I was there, which squared me right away because that's what I do now part time. What driving? Yeah, so I drive haulage. So Arctic Wagon. Oh, so you got you yeah. got you got your like proper licenses. Yeah. So I got that squared, and then um, yeah, did my resettlement and in arboriculture. So I become a tree surgeon, which is why at the time I didn't know what Instagram was, and when I was when I was set it up, I was cutting trees down in South Wales. I had a big beard; it was full of tree. Most of the time, so tree beard. I'm a fan of Lord of the Rings, good, and good man. it kind of went from there. And then, so I started doing that. I worked in tree surgery for, I don't know, six, eight months. But then my contract changed in Birmingham, 
and it wasn't worth me traveling in. So because of stuff I was doing at my mom's house, I just sacked it in, got a job in a local timber yard so I could get discount timber. Started doing that and then I bought this place up here. And right, let me ask you let me ask you something. Do you think like you could do the job? Do you reckon you could do the sniper job now? Now that you've got now do you feel like your fizz is back to a point where you No, can do it? no, no way. I can't I can't run, I can't jump. Oh, you can't, that, you that's see, never you can't gonna change that, me. So. Right, okay. Um I mean I can well it's weird though, because I'm always in pain every day. Right. Some days it's worse than others. What, in the ankle area or well the whole sole of my foot, I think it's nerve damage. Right. So I've got problems with my knees with stability. So that's why I'm going to the gym. I do yoga and all the rest of it because I'm working. I see some of the old boys walking around here and they're just hunched over and shuffling down the street. It takes them five minutes to walk up 100 metres. I'm like, fuck that. I'd rather be dead. So I'm trying to um, work on my flexibility and the condition of my body. So I'm just going to the gym and stretching every day and just... That's, 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 that's important, mate. It's, trying to take care of myself. And posture's a massive thing as well. Yeah, but it is, and I can't stress enough to people how like, look, okay, I never thought... I would be in a position in my life where I was telling people to meditate and do yoga, but I'm there and I believe it both of those fucking things. Yoga, right? And I think there's plenty of people, there's plenty of evidence now that like, you know, SF units are fucking starting to, you know, they do all that kind of stuff. There's, there's you know, it, it's it has a bad press. Like yoga has bad press in masculine kind of, you know, industries like, you know, pregnant uh, women in uh, hats do pre- yeah. yoga. But look, like it's fucking important. I'm going to give out a shout out to my uh, to my friend Sean Veig, right? If you want to fucking do some yoga that's a laugh, go and uh, look up his channel, Sean Veig, V-I-G-U-E. Um, he's a funny guy and he's, he does short, because I can't do it for like an hour because I get fucking too bored and I'll just sack it in. But if someone gives me an entertaining 20-minute program, I'll do it and I'll stick to it. And I, I like to have the video to watch. I don't want to go to classes to do it. I don't want people fucking farting in my face as I'm doing that shit. Um, and also, let's be honest, guys, yoga pants, they're distracting. You're not going to be thinking about your stretches. So, um, yeah, I, I find like find some good videos. Sean Veig, uh, he has some loads. won't cost you anything, but, you know, um, and then he has a book. Like, if you want to get that, it's, it's, I recommend that. But um, yeah, dude, like so yoga and stuff is so fucking important. Yeah. Like, I've just been in the gym today. I've been doing kills for the girls, you know, presses to lift dresses and all that fucking stuff. I've been doing that today. But this, this afternoon, I got some yoga scheduled in because I've never been blown. Well, I've been blown up. But I've been blown up in a vehicle. I've not stepped yeah. on an ID. Um, but I've carried a fucking gym pee around as you have. And I've gone through the usual wear and tear of the infantryman. Like my knee, I walked around the house last night and every step, my knee go click, 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 click. Um Look, no one, no, Tony Blair's not going to come into your house and stretch you off, guys. It's not going to happen. You've got to fucking look, do these things yourself. And I think yoga is such a fucking important part of that. Or, or just stretch. It doesn't even have to be yoga, but just proper Do something stretching. like, um, like after a run, you do five minutes of stretching or not even that. And that's enough. Whereas when I did my physio course for my knee, when I first attached my ACL, you do 40 minutes of stretching before you even do any fizz. Yeah. And it's like, I'll be doing one stretch for 10 minutes, just each bit and getting further and further every time. Like, I'm wanting to try and be able to do the splits this year right. for climbing as well, for like bridging gaps and stuff. Right. But it's just application of it. I dislocated my shoulder in 2012 kayaking and rolled over and it went in the water. Yeah, well, you hit a rock or something. Yeah, yeah I was trying to roll, but the paddle went in the floor. And it, But I feel that if I was a bit more flexible, I would have dislocated it. Cause Dude, that's a very, that's a very important point, mate. That's a very important point with people, yeah. Like, guys, you've got to think of your muscles as like these... Um, you know, they're brittle, they're not just muscles, but, you know, your connective tissue. Like, I'll give an example from last year. Um, I could feel my calves were getting tighter while I was um, on vacation last year. I could feel them getting tighter, and I just, 
I was just like, ah, oh, fuck it. I can't be out. I was just chinning, stretching off. And I could feel them getting tighter and tighter. Then one day, um, one day I couldn't find a parking spot outside of my friend's place where I was staying. I had to run and get something. So I uh, ran upstairs. I ran back out. Running across the road, I just hear this massive crack. And it sounded like a gunshot. And I just hit the deck. And my back, I tore I torn my calf. Right. Um, and all that was down to... Not was not stretching. I wasn't. It was. I wasn't doing a fucking casualty carry across the road or anything like that. I, I felt it. I felt it come on, and I just chinned it off. Um, and you know, you can get tight really quick. And I hate to point it out as well. As you get older, you got to do more stretching. But, but here's the thing, right? If you start now, let's say you're 35 years old now. Let's say you're my age now. You start stretching. I guarantee you, if you've been sitting at desk or you've been uh, for most of your life, or you've been carrying a gym pee, or whatever, you're going to have things, you're going to have parts of you that are, you're not going to be well balanced. You're going to have tight chest probably, you're going to have tight lower back, all the your tight hip flexors, all these usual things that people get, right? If you don't start doing it now, or if you start doing it now, it's going to be hard, right? But if you start doing it in five years, it's going to be harder. And another five years is going to be harder again. Like today is the easiest day you're ever going to get to start stretching. So start start doing it today. While you listen to the podcast, you go stretch and listen to the podcast. When I do, because I've never done deadlifts or anything before. I've never trained legs because when you're in the army. Why would you? Well, you just need to be able to (laughs) carry the weight and run. Yeah, to be fair, mate, like people in in the army, right, tabbing is legs, right? So your legs do get a lot of fucking workout in the army. Like, because every time you get up, if you're going from, if you've got fucking, let's say you've got 60 pounds of kit on, right, which is a light day, really. If you've got 60 pounds of kit on, you're down on one knee and you get up. That is doing like a barbell fucking lunch, right? So you do get, like, you're doing legs day every day. But like deadlifts and stuff, it's not something I've done. So I started doing deadlifts, and I, after my first session, I was like, "Fuck, it's killing me." So I started stretching. Was that lower back or just well everything? Because I never, I never worked them before. Right. Really, I was literally just running and tabbing because I was naturally a fit guy anyway. Um, but I just didn't have to train for fitness, so I started doing deadlifts because I'm trying to like work on my leg stability because my ligaments aren't doing the job. So I'm trying to work on all the smaller fibers and stuff. I was in fucking rag. Couldn't even stand up some days. And I, was, I started stretching, doing lower back stretches and doing a bit of yoga. So every morning I'll do, even if it's 10 minutes, yeah. I'll do something just to stretch it. I think it's a great, I think it's a great way of starting the day. And I'll tell you what, well, yoga is one of those things where some days I don't really want to do it. And I, I've got, I've got, I used to, I was in a really good habit of doing it every other day. I've fallen out of it. It's something that I'm like, it's one of my main efforts for the next couple of months and summer to get back into yoga. Yeah. But it's like one of those things. When you do 20 minutes of yoga, I'm, it's, I get a mental boost knowing that I did something it's that I didn't It's not even just really that. It's like just fizz in general. Yeah, so absolutely my, fizz in general. I didn't used to do press-ups every day in the army because it's like the only time I did press-ups was on my BTFC or annual test. Yeah. And that was it. But now I'm doing like 100 a day or trying to do 100 a day. I've started incorporating squats into that. So I just do bodyweight squats if I can't get to the gym because it's half hour for me to get to the gym. If I'm at work, it's 40 minutes. Yeah. And it all adds up. So I'm like, right, what can I do? When I'm not at the gym, like I got loads of rocks around my garden. Yes, I was picking up rocks and doing shoulder press and stuff while I was digging. Just I, I think I, I, we talk a lot about on this podcast about how important fitness is, mate. And I, but I think there's also something about when you do a kind of because let's be honest, we all have our own favorite fitness, right? So, so for some people it's running, for some people it's bicep curls. Like there was, I would go into the gym every day and train arms. You know, chopping wood. Yeah, chopping wood, mate. I chopped some wood the other day. Fucking epic little workout. But it's when you do something that you don't like. A lot of lads don't like doing leg day, right? Just don't. Or I tell you what, let's say somebody, because there's a lot of men and women that can't do pull-ups. 
So they don't want to do pull-ups, right? Because you don't want to go and do something that you're going to fail in front of other people. And that's understandable. But when you do it and you make yourself do something that you didn't want to do, there's that even extra boost on top of your normal fitness boost. Because you're like, I fucking did something I didn't want to do and it was hard. And I did I, it anyway. I got to, before I went to the Caribbean, I got to the point of competing with myself and I was like, oh, I got 140 dead. I started deadlifts and I was getting like 90. I was like, yeah, that's all right. I'm 75 kilos. I was like, yeah, that's right. Started going up and pushing myself. And I got to 130, 140, 150. And I was like, and I, cause I'm not using a belt or anything at the minute. And I got to 160. I was like, how the fuck have I got to this? And I, I'm just, I'm like, right, I'll get 162 next time. Next time I go in, I'm just, just pushing myself. Yeah. And I've never done, like, I never really trained properly until the, like four months ago, five months ago. Yeah, and it becomes an addiction. Yeah, yeah, massively. And it like, well, fitness releases endorphins anyway. Yeah, it's the first. It's the first thing you should be prescribed for any mental health condition is fitness or an exercise. That and rest. Exercise. Yeah, rest. Well, where I live, like loads of blokes come to mind, and they're just like so peaceful here. Yeah. Um, which is part after Hugh come up and did that podcast there, he got me thinking. If I can get my place squared away, get all my garden done, and that. Uh, I'm looking at getting a boat after going to the Caribbean and sailing there. I want to get a boat and just sail around. I want to sail around Britain, visit all the islands, like all the Out Hebrides and everything. It's like if someone wants to come and chill out at my place, you can pitch a tent up, sleep in the cabin once it's built, just chill out, do some archery at my place, walk in the hills. I know if you want to, go climbing, go walk up Snowdon, go sailing. Yeah, I mean, like that. mate, like being outdoors, like, look, I think I'm, I'm a big believer that we are just fucking primates and that we've... We, We've we've gone into so many um, ways of thinking that are just so counterproductive for us. Like the idea of like living solo in an apartment when you're a young man, I think is a terrible idea. I think like being with blokes, other blokes, is the best thing for your health. I think depends, not not depends being on your outside. environment, I guess. Well, what, what do you mean by depends on the environment? Well, my situation. Quite often when I go to London, people are like, oh, you must be lonely living in the woods. Because it's just me, two dogs, and two cats. I was like, well, no, because yeah, I'm... but you, you've you've had that thing in the past of having the blokes. Yeah, no, but I'm I'm alone because I want to be. Yes, but then when I go out and socialize with people, they're the people I want to socialize with. This person lives in my. They were basically trying to say that I was unhappy because I was living on my own. I was like, well, I get random people walking past my house because of public footpath that I don't know from Adam. I've been stood talking to him for like half an hour before. I've had I've had people in having coffee, just talking about what I'm doing at the cottage. Yeah, but that's I think that's different. To, like you said, that's a choice that yeah. you're making. Like you're making. But, that but um, well, my point is, if you're living in an apartment on your own in a city where no one's talking to you, yeah. that can be a hell of a lot worse than exactly. living exactly. in a situation. One hundred percent, mate. One hundred percent. My brother has had. He's been in a couple of different apartments in London. Um, the one he's in now, he has some. Um, you know, like, and here's the thing as well. Without trying to make a political point. The apartment block that he was first in was all young British people and nobody talked to each other. The one that he's in now is um, the mostly immigrant families and everyone talks to each other. Yeah. And he will go, they will go across to people's apartments to talk to. If they meet each other outside the building, they'll stop and have a chat for five, ten minutes. The same thing, apartment buildings, totally different result because people just talk, because people talk. And now he feels like he's in a community rather than he's in a building that yeah. other people have to Have you in. seen the, the video of the Northerner walking around London saying hello to people? No, but it's, I can imagine what right. it's saying. It's, it, no, it's, it's a, it's a piss-take video that they did, and it's like uh, someone from the North has been walking around London saying hello to people. And like, <laughs> London has done how to deal with it, and it's it's just but funny it, to watch. It's you... kind of true, though, mate, because I, I was down there the other week. I was recording a podcast with uh, Trevor Colt, uh, MC, that you know will be out. People will have heard that by the time they hear this one. And the first thing I said to Trevor when I came in, I was like, does nobody fucking say hello down here? Because we were in a building recording here 
And um, I was just open, you know, holding doors open for people. So I thought, all right, how's it going? Boom, head down. And I know why they're doing that, because they've been conditioned to... They've just got somewhere to be and... Well, yeah, but I had somewhere to be too. But yeah. it, but it's just they're, they're worried about making eye contact because they're worried that someone's going to fucking exactly pull a dick say, out That's exactly what they say on the thing. This thing that's like, how, how should you deal with a northerner? like, just avoid contact, put your headphones in, look down at the floor and carry on walking. Yeah. But it's, it's fucking mad, mate, because it's like... Like and and one of the reasons when I go and stay so this summer I'm going to stay with some friends in uh, San Clemente in um in, in Orange County for a while. And what I love about that little this this village it's not a, sorry it's a small it's a town like it's a decent town. But and I'm sure some of the reason why is because this, this happens is because it's blue skies it's palm trees. But when I do that walk to the gym it's like a 15 20 minute walk to the gym. And if you pass anyone on the street you go hey how's it going it's going great how are you doing and it's and I'm like. Yeah, we're fucking, we're all in a big team here. This is awesome. Like you, you, and then when you walk past someone, you go, hey, how's it going? And they just blank you. You're like, fucking hate being human. <laughs> Not to jump on the whole hippie train or anything like, but um, I jump, think. Jump on it, mate. Positive, sort of, oh, fucking positive vibes. But like. Look, some, we've already done yoga meditation. If, if someone said to me, like, how are you doing? I'll say, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Rather than going, yeah, I'm all right. You go, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. And just speak my mind. Uh, so if I if something is shit, I'm like, yeah, shit, this has happened. But, or generally, yeah, I am good. And like, I am living my best life now. Yeah. I, don't, I do not regret anything I did in the army. I, but what I'm doing now is so different to what I used to do. And I love the way I live my life now. I mean, I earn 900 and something a month. Yeah. But I have 22 days off in that month to That's go and amazing. do. That's amazing. That is, that, that is amazing, mate. Like, I, I don't, honestly, I think I want, want more people to look into your... Um, your model, your life model of how you do because, like, what is the end goal, right? If you, if you, what is the end? Do you want to do want to be the richest bloke in the graveyard who doesn't, you know, or, or do you, to have twenty two days off a, a month is amazing. I so I was away for two months in the Caribbean, and then the new tax year started this year. I've earned six hundred quid so far since April. That's because I've been away and I've not. Well, if been you want to earn a little more, mate, when we get off the camera, then uh, <laughs> we can have a time. It's just, it's a, it's a, for me, it's a balance of time and money. I was like, well, I need this money to get by. I'm fortunate that my house is paid off. Like, I had a payout from the army and I got a pension. I realised not everyone's in that boat. Yeah. But if you stop spending your money on things that you don't need, like, the only, the only thing I've ever had on finance is a brand new motorbike, but it's 0% finance and it was effectively the same as paying, it's 150 quid a month, yeah. which when I was a single living in full screw is nothing. So if you if you could give business advice to people, then it'd be go join the army, find an IED. Okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't lose your leg. Although if you lost your leg, you'd be in a better position. You probably have like I don't know. You get phantom pains and stuff, but you get more of a payout. Yeah, yeah geez. I, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I'll, I'll take I'll take living with my mum over losing a leg. But um, no, I think that like the thing is, mate. As well, it, it comes down to choices, though, isn't it? Like, there's a lot of people out there who have had payouts from the army who have used it wisely. Yeah, and bought houses. Some haven't. I'm sure there's some blokes out there and. Hey, mate, I am fucking, I've written about this. I wrote about this in um, in Brothers in Arms, plug, um, that I would. I left the army in a good financial position and put myself into a terrible one. Yeah. Um, and that's on me. That's not on anybody else. That's not on the army. That's not on Gordon Brown or Tony Blair. That's on me. Um, but it comes down to priorities, doesn't it, at the end of the day? What makes you happy and what do you want to make time yeah. for or spend money on? And, and that's the thing. When I was very bad with money, um, my priorities were um, trying to drink and do drugs to the point that I died. So yeah. that's like I wasn't thinking about anything else other than I'm spending this money to just basically find oblivion. Now my money, like my 100, percent my top priority for money is travel. That's that's without doubt travel and seeing friends, which is included in the same. This is the same thing. That's my top thing. Yeah. 
Um, like with, with being away I live, I'm a bit thrifty, or people would say tight, however when you're, you want to look at it. But I stopped drinking in December. Right. And that's, I, I didn't drink a lot. Mm. But if I went out on a night out, I'd still spend 80 quid. But when you earn 980 a month or 900, whatever it is you've earned, yeah. you do that every weekend. It's a fair bit of money to be thrown away in someone else's pocket. Yeah. So, But there's also the, the fitness aspect of it and the health of it. Mental, and ment- mental health Mental too. as well. But I'd rather have the, the, the whole day the next day to go and do something than nursing a hangover. Yeah, I mean, the, the drinking one is I go back and forth on me because I what, what I've been doing the last few months is I do four or five weeks without drinking and then I'll have a night out or whatever. Oh, I, but I, I, well, I went to Hugh's um, podcast guest party and a guy... Where was my fucking invited up, Hugh? <laughs> I've, seen it, I've seen him this weekend though. Don't worry, we'll um, have cuddles. Uh, what you're going down? You're going down Hereford? Aren't you? Yeah, you coming? Yeah, yeah. I'll see you down. Are you coming? Yeah. Why the, oh, actually, I'm coming from London. Why, no, why I'm going you? from. I've got to go Swansea, drop off a shotgun, yeah. and then. <laughs> <laughs> I need that shotgun for getting straight with Hugh after he didn't invite me to the podcast party. I've got five more at my house. Lend it, um, like, cool, lend it to me first. I'll get straight with Hugh. Then we can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can yeah, so I'm going there. Um, so I'm going to Swansea and Hereford. Um, but oh, fuck, I've lost where I was going. Now. So we getting pissed on Saturday? Then, oh yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh yeah, guest party. Basically, I got wankered. Yeah. Um, threw up in the taxi tried to throw up into the bottle of port that I was drinking I think that was a, like one and a half bottles of port a couple of pints of ale and uh, then I threw up on his floor collapsed in his shower and the next day I was pissing blood for like three days and it felt like how the my... fuck did you piss blood from that well it might have just been port but did you not taste it I used to drink like two bottles of Jack Daniels some nights when I was in Colchester so I'd drink a bottle before I went out and then while I was out du- double Jack and Coke yeah. and then I'd drink the equivalent of another so I still drink like I used to when I was in the army, but my body can't take it anymore. So after that, I was just like, I don't yeah. need to drink. I can't afford to drink. I'd rather go out and now I go out and I'll just people watch. I'm sober. I remember everything. I was, I was on a boat with four pissheads in the Caribbean and they were getting wanked every night, room in the morning, nine o'clock, seven o'clock, whatever. Oh, sounds good. And I, I just remembered it. And it's just- to, to be honest, mate, right? I think you've you've actually come up with a really good point. This is really I'm really glad you brought this up because I was actually thinking about this this afternoon when I was in the gym. Um, sorry, this morning when I was in the gym. And I was thinking about how many important things have I maybe discussed while I've been out that I forgot because I was drinking. And I thought maybe like every night, every like, let's say that I've been out a thousand nights in my life, right? There's probably a thousand important pieces of information that I missed there. Maybe someone gave me an idea. Maybe someone gave me a bit of feedback. Someone's number. Maybe someone, uh, I mean, may have, uh, thankfully that's not something that... Uh, that you you can you got the phone for that stuff, but like maybe <laughs> maybe it was just somebody like you ran an idea past someone and they gave you an idea back, um, and a lot of that stuff. But I do like to play devil's advocate thing, so I do also think because I always say in a perfect world, I wish that drugs and alcohol were not needed and that we could connect with everything in a way that didn't require any of that stuff. But we don't live in the perfect world, and I do think that there's a lot of conversations I probably never would have had if I wasn't drunk. So it's a, it is about like a balancing thing. Like I, I'm finding at the moment that by taking a break three to five weeks off at a time before I go out, it does make me think twice about wanting to drink then because I'm like, I, I and I, I say this and I'm 100% fucking real about this. Last time I went out was on my book launch weekend. I drank that weekend. And I'm glad I, I had a good weekend, so I'm not knocking that. But I definitely say it took me five days before. I There was one morning I woke up and I went, now I'm free of the hangover. It's five days before I felt on top of my mental and physical game again. Five days. Where I live, it's in the middle of nowhere. So if I was to go out in Wrexham, it's an half-hour taxi back. Mate, get out in Wrexham, get a penny black, listen to some donk. I'll go out, but if I drive there, I can drive back. I hate yeah. taxis. I mean, it's, it's where you're going out as well, mate. Like, I'm going over to, I'm going to the States for six weeks this summer. 
fucking right I'm going to be smashing those pina coladas, mate. I'm going to be smashing it. Um, but like that six weeks is that, that six weeks is I'm doing podcasts, yeah. I'm meeting friends because I've got a lot. I'm very lucky. I've got a lot of friends in America. There's going to be a lot of reunions. I can't wait to go for a drink down the beach and stuff like that. Um, and I'm going to, you know, that's that's going to be enjoyable. But I'm not, you know, it's um, it's a funny one because before it was never even a question to me or do I want it. It was just like obviously it would. And now I'm starting to be like, what do I want? And do I want it? And that's like, you're, I think you're further ahead of me on this tra- on this train because I'm not. I went to San Diego in February. One of my favorite seats. Um, stayed at a ex free Paradise house out there, and I ended up making a friend through Tinder, and she was just run, doing business errands. Air, air quotes. No, friend. no, no, she's genuine friends. But she's like, <laughs> she's like, oh, I've got to go to this place for business. I've got to go to LA. I was like, oh, I'll jump in the car with you. I didn't have a car there. I had no way to get around because mm. public transport in San Diego is like, yeah. in the suburbs, you can't get a bus into the city. So she had come and pick me up, take me around, like, oh, here's a coffee, and drop me up. I ended up in this town. If I was drinking, I'd have gone straight into a bar. But I ended up in this town, walked up and down. I was walked past the knitting shop because that's a thing I've started doing. I ended up in a knitting circle with a lot of old American ladies <laughs> talking about why I'm in America and now what that sounds. To me. That does sound like a drinking story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's like you. If I'd have gone straight into a bar, I wouldn't have. Yeah, I'd have met some different people in the bar. Yeah. But who the fuck ends up in a fucking knitting circle and well, drunk people and sober people? Obviously, yeah, yeah. It's, it takes all uh, types. But it's just going around and doing different things. Like when I went to LA, I could have quite easily gone into a bar, but I spent the day just walking around, going to different things and seeing different yeah. bits. It's, uh, it's, it's fucking everything in life. It's, it's, it's perspective. If, I mean, I ain't knocking drinking, do it if yeah. you want to, but for me, it just ain't working. Yeah, I was going to say, and that's the thing as well, it's like a very important to identify what works for one person doesn't work for anybody else. Um, I've gone through periods of my life where I drank, like your two bottles of Jack Daniels a night. You're not drinking that for health, and there's no healthy reason to no. drink two bottles of Jack Daniels a night. I've been through periods in my life where um, I have um, drank because I just wanted to be oblivious to the world. I have done that. And then I've done other times where I've really enjoyed having a cocktail made for me as I sit on a balcony. Like My reason for drinking the Jack, though, wasn't like trying to hide anything. I just like to get shit-faced. Yeah, and then I, I go out to drink to oblivion. Well, yeah, because that, that's the, like, that's, that's a lot young lads do. And then in the paras, I imagine, you know, you, you're turning that up to the, to, yeah. you're so cranking that up like, by I was like yeah well get a bottle for 20 quid bargain drink, yeah. that, drink that neat before I go out and then yeah. and like you said mate as well you like your tolerance yeah your tolerance gets so because like I you know like um, when I was going through my period of drinking every day and doing drugs and was stuff was that a monthly day, thing no this was going through your period <laughs> no I was going through this period mate and I was um, I was my my tour, I could easily knock away a couple of bottles of vodka a day, and it went to, like, it, and I I could operate on that. Yeah. Jesus Christ! If I did a bottle of vodka now, it'd fucking kill me. Like you 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 become used to it. Your body gets used to like fucking being able to 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 deal with those chemicals. But anyway, I want to move on to the the outdoor thing again, mate, because I think this is really important, right? So so simply, do you think that being outdoors is beneficial for your mental health? Yes, but I don't. Okay, so like give give us some anecdotal evidence because I totally agree on this. I I can't think of I can't recommend it strongly enough for people. Okay, well, I'm not in that situation where I got PTSD or anything like that. I, I got no internal demons, if you like. Um, but it's time for reflection, I guess. And anyone that comes out with me that has been that way or they're a bit inspired when they meet me, they're just like, yeah, I went out and I started walking, and it's just you think to yourself, you just clear your head, or even you just don't think about anything at all. You just sit there and just mong out. Um. I think everyone takes something different away from it. Whether it's that you're going walking with a really good friend, you're just having a bit of quality time, no phones, nothing, no reception, 
or a bit of solitary time or you're with just a group of people discovering new things and take your mind off of something else like getting a new hobby or something but i i've sort of gotten into most outdoor sports like a climb kayak hill walking mountain biking snowboarding skiing um i'm thinking about doing kite surfing just because it's something i've i've been keen into i'm massively into my sailing at the minute i'm going sailing to alderney next week with a charity turned to starboard they're running out of falmouth and um it's a race on the weekend then I got a regatta after that, and I'm doing round the island race, round the island race, uh, round the island white on the 29th of June. But it's just going out, and you're meeting other guys as well. Yeah. And what yeah. what I love about outdoor stuff, mate, and obviously there's a spectrum, so you can spend a lot of money doing outdoor stuff, or you can just go outdoors and not. So it can it's the cheapest hobby you can have. Walking is the cheapest one. Yeah, everyone's got a pair of shoes. Yeah, just go find a pair of comfy shoes and just start going up the nearest hill. If you'd like it, and you start getting into it, and you're getting fitter, then yeah, starting investing in some like because in Wales you need it. Gore-Tex jacket, a rucksack, put some skin, food skin's in. Skin's waterproof. Yeah, man. it's a pemi pemi permeable membrane or something yeah. like that. So yeah, um, but yeah, just go out, get a pair of boots, right? Yeah. Okay, I quite fancy doing this a bit more. Jacket, rucksack, and then it will develop from there. And before you know it, you'll be out wild camping in a starry. And by the way, you can buy a lot of this stuff. Go into a fucking cha- if you want the stuff, jackets and stuff. Go charity shop. Because you'll find you you find GoTech well eBay or anything like shops, yeah. you'll, you'll you don't some... you don't have to spend fucking millions on this stuff. Um, I think like what I I, I like to couple because um, sometimes I'll go for a walk. If I'm going on a really long walk, I'll do periods where I listen to it's part of the period uh, part part of the walk would be like a period of listening to audiobook, yeah. and then other parts will just be listening to nature kind of thing and thinking. I'll mix it up on like a longer walk. Short walks, I'll either do one or the other. It's either going to be a walk where I learn or it's going to be a walk where I think. It'll be yeah. one of one of those two. And I love, like, if you, if like, for, like let's say 40-minute walk. I'm very lucky. I know I, not everyone has this, okay? So I'm just talking about from my point of view and then try and find a way to fix it to your own solutions. Uh, sorry, your own situation. You know, I walk out my back door and I'm in the, well, I live in the countryside, right? I do a 40-minute walk. And at the end of that 40 minutes, I've got my heart rate up. I've been outdoors, so I've had a bit of a change of state where I've been, you know, I've, I've been moved myself into a different environment, which gets you thinking a bit differently. And I've either had 40 minutes of learning or I've had 40 minutes of thinking. And like that 40 minutes in your day just makes everything else in the day go better. Just, and if you do it at the beginning of the day, it sets you up well. But what I think is great about it as well, it's a fantastic way of reclaiming your day because we all have days where the day gets away from us. Maybe we were, where maybe we were a little bit, Snippy with someone, we don't need to be. Maybe our work hasn't been as organized and we've been a bit all over the place. Nice, simple solution. Walk, 40 minutes. I can see it's a bit harder if you live in a town, yeah. like a, quite a bit of town or a city. But like on the weekends, if you're doing, if you're always got busy weekends because you're doing whatever, going to meet your mates, playing football, whatever, just take some time, make some time to just go out. Like if you live in the Midlands, go to the Peak District or something mate, like I, that. I'll tell you what, mate, in London, it's some fucking beautiful parks there. I went for a walk around. I was staying in uh, I was staying in London um, and I was staying in uh, Battersea. Yeah. Battersea Park, mate. Just, I did a lapse, lapse of Battersea Park. I, I quite like um, Epping Forest. Epping Forest is great. It's like my kind of place where I'd like to be. It's like really thick woodland. Right. Walk around it, there for it? hours. It's, um, it's, I think it's in Essex, it's classed as in Essex, but it's northeast. Right. Um, still within the M25. Yeah. Um, Northeast, an ex used to live there, so we used to go walk the dog around there for like an hour or two. Nice. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I think it's mate. Look, 
you see, like, and here's the thing, when you go for a walk in a park in London, you see a lot of other people doing the same. There are a lot of people tuned into this idea. You know, it's not you and me here that have discovered something. Yeah, yeah. It, this is this is the it's the oldest trick in the book to get your head sorted, is get outside and have some space. Um, even, like you said, sometimes walking with a good, an old, good mate is, you know. Well, there's another place that I've started going to when I ended up with more free time, um, a horse riding, like equine therapy place oh, right. up in Scotland, Horseback UK. Okay, shout out Horseback UK. There's um, a load of veterans go up there go, you've got physical ailments or mental illnesses, uh, mental injuries and so on. But you're in the Highlands. You, you're literally where the, where the stable is. You're surrounded just by this massive glacial valley and you go out, you work with the horses and on the evenings you're just sat in this old schoolhouse and you're just surrounded by it. If you want to, you can go walk up into the forest, anything. You've got a couple of estates around you. Hopefully not to hang yourself. No, no, no. But it's all just like really peaceful and it's just you're with a couple of people in, who are in a similar position bit of chat and then you're there for a week and then you're off and then like it's a three week thing but um yeah it's just great going out and some people that have been that i've met there like have never left their town or city or whatever when they've been there and there's a couple of people have had huge anxiety problems where they won't leave the house if they do they go to like asda at three in the morning for the food shop mm-hmm. they go up there and it, they, they're just out there to start talking about the problems and stuff and then like then some some guys end up getting employment, which is ultimately what they need to then be able to do the things that they want to give them a sense of purpose, yeah, yeah, yeah. gives them a mission. I think when you're surrounded by mountains as well, nothing to me, you know, I'm sure some people find this from the ocean, you know, but for me, it's like the mountains, nothing puts into perspective your own life and problems, like seeing some fucking cliff faces that have been carved out over billions of years. Like, you know, so you and I both know the same areas, like Panorama and stuff. Yeah, you got all the fossils from the coral. Mate, and... you see stuff like that, and you're just like, is I re- am I really flapping about that t- extra couple of hundred book sales? Like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck am I complaining about? Like, what am I worrying about? Like, does it, it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? You just realise that it, in the big scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Uh, mate, we're going to have to uh, wrap yeah, up. Yeah. What's your? I want you to give some closing words of wisdom to people. I don't know. Do what makes you happy, man. Like no, that's it. That's brilliant. Do what makes you happy, as long as it doesn't affect other people negatively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, do what makes you happy. Unless your name's Saddam. Yes. Although, to be honest, we might need. We could do you back. Spirit of Saddam. Spirit of Saddam. If you're listening, <laughs> I'm going to crack out the Ouija board. Um, apparently, we're going to go to war with Iran, so we could probably do with you back. Um, but that's for the story for another podcast. Yeah, coming up on next podcast, we have the risen ghost of Saddam Hussein coming in. Um, veteran state of spirit is the next episode right mate cheers for coming in I'm going to wrap up now with a bit of a housekeeping now housekeeping is guys please 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 if you enjoy the podcast if you get beneficial benefits (laughs) out of the podcast then please bring us a friend tell your friends make a post about the podcast bring people along keep spreading the word really appreciate it Um, if you want to buy a book buy Brothers in Arms pretty please and if you don't want to buy the book just tell people about the book. Again, that's all I ask. You don't have to spend no money on this podcast, but if you can spend your mouth words, then I would appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. Catch you next time. Cheers.